Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good evening and welcome to Fat Man Radio. I'm your host, Darren McDuffie, and tonight we have a very special guest. Actually, uh, Diane Kayser is my, uh, what I call my partner, pot, my podcast partner in crime, rather, uh, because we do a um, podcast together. So, um, and that is called the Wellness Warrior Radio Show, and if you haven't, you need to go to iTunes and download that. And, and before we get started with the show, I'm just going to do a few housekeeping things. First thing is I would love for you to join my fan page. I'm really trying to build something here and bring you uh, a lot of health and wellness guests and things that you can do in order to make sure that you're in perfect health. So go to Fat Man Radio Show on Facebook and just like my fan page. Second thing is to also go to my uh, blog. I just did a blog where I compared uh, Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant. Uh, and very good blog, if I do say so myself, and that's located at imthefatman.com. It's exactly how it sounds. It's I, like uh, Ignition, M like Mary, thefatman.com. So go check that out. Like that, and also comment. I notice people read things and they don't comment, and when you don't comment, you're just part of the audience. You know, If you comment, you can start a dialogue, and you don't know who else is out there who may uh, want to comment on something, but I notice that people don't tend to comment on stuff, and we need to be participants in life, so do go and do comment. Second thing is YouTube. If you have not joined my YouTube page, um, that is Fat Body BC on YouTube. So again, that's P H A T Body BC on YouTube. So go join that. I have a lot of good videos that'll help you, so uh, you can go and join that channel. And just look at those videos. And all that content is free on there. And I do upload videos every single week, sometimes two or three uh, per week. So go check that out. So got the housekeeping out of the way. Before I bring Diane on, if you have a question for Diane, which I would always advise you to ask questions, the number is 646-716-9371. So 646 716 9371. And when you come on, you have the option of staying in the background, staying in the audience, or you can press one and y'all see you on my switchboard and I will bring you on to ask your question. So let's get into the show. Enough of my bantering here. So I'm going to bring Diane Kayser on. I don't think she needs any introduction, but I will um, bring her on. Um, Diane is a functional diagnostic nutritionist, and I'll let her explain more of that when she comes on. But she's also a very good friend of mine. We met over Facebook, believe it or not, and we started a podcast together again, which is called the Wellness Warrior Radio Show. So let me bring Diane on. Diane Kayser, welcome to Fat Man Radio. How are you tonight? What's going on, Darren McDuffie? <laughs> awesome. We can How always. I'm good. We can always tell who has all the energy. I'm kind of the mellow one, and Diane is kind of the, the energetic one. So, I'm the spaz. Yeah, you're the spaz. So, um, let's get in. Just get right into it, Diane. Tell people how you got into this wacky world of health and wellness. Tell us about your journey. The wacky world of wellness. www. Huh. <laughs> First of all, thanks for having me on tonight, Darren, because um, I have a really empowering message for women tonight that I want to share, and it always helps to know how I got into this whole WWW. Um, so I'm glad that you asked. 
I was a financial advisor before all of this, and I owned a company for eight years. But before that, I was a professional soccer player. So I've always been an athlete, like we've talked about in our other shows. We're both athletes. And I've always been a crazy athlete at the highest level. And so, of course, higher levels lend to more extreme things. But when I was playing soccer, I was not an extreme eater. I wasn't an extreme nutritionist, in other words. But I did learn quite a few things when I was 17, 18 years old when I had hired my first personal trainer, and of course through college and everything learned a little bit about eating, but they said a lot of stuff about carb loading. They didn't really get into specifics with respect to women and our health and how our hormones work, and if our hormones are in balance, then all of these things happen in synchronicity, and we don't have fatigue issues, and we can be a better athlete. So when I sold my financial planning business, there was just this calling to do something else. And that was about five years ago. And here I am in Orange County. Actually, it was exactly four years ago now. And here I am in Orange County. And it has just blossomed into a beautiful manifesto of helping women left and right to find their mission again. Because here in Orange County, there's a lot of stay-at-home moms. And these women are not, just because they have all the time and all the money in the world, they're still not feeling well. So what does that tell you? (laughs) Yeah, where yeah. there's not enough answers out there for them. So that's why that's how I became a functional diagnostic nutritionist. Is that just like you, Darren, with um, how you became um, where you're at now? Is we both realized that that exercise is 20% of it. Nutrition and hormones and supplementation, taking care of your your health through stress management, that's the other 80%. Right, right, right. So um, tonight we're going to talk about sleep, sex. And serotonin, and that—that's what—that was your title, but as I guess, when, to get into it uh, on the first beginning, um, we're going to talk about birth control, and this is something for a male I know quite a bit about, and I know you know quite a bit about that, and that's just because I've studied a lot on on this type of type of stuff, and I'm able to put concepts together through being in the pharmaceutical industry, but. Um, let's kind of get into the birth control and specifically the birth control pill. What's in each uh, birth control pill, Diane? So if you want to get straight into that, the birth control pill is something that has been recommended to 98% of women. I mean, this is something that's on the radar of every doctor. It's like 85% of primary care physicians will talk about this. 99% 99% of OBGYNs will prescribe this thing for women, um, and it's sad because they're sort of using it as a blanket um, pill that will help and solve every one of the women's problems, like acne and um, weight gain, quote-unquote. I say that because I'll explain later what it happen, what happens in the, in the long run. Mm-hmm. But this is recommended as kind of like a um, even a potassium supplement now or like a multi, and this is just what you do if you have these problems with PMS like women. So what's in it, Darren, is what is so bad for us. And this is what I cannot scream loud enough from any tall enough mountain. I will climb back to India and hop on the mountains over there. So I can scream this from those mountaintops that these birth control pills that women are prescribed and about 15% of us are on them are fake Synthetic, that's what fake means is synthetic, estrogens and progesterones that are synthesized in the lab. So what what we can't do, what America can't do, what the medical industry, what the FDA, the AMA cannot do is put a patent on nature, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of hormones are exist in nature. 
there are plant-based hormones that exist that we could be using for this sort of thing, but the American or the uh, Medical Association cannot patent these things. So they have had to create similar versions of it in mm-hmm. large quantities to administer to women to basically make them think, their bodies think that they're pregnant. So they're not ovulating, but they're bleeding. And this is something that men don't like to talk about periods. Men don't like to talk about bleeding. Men don't like no. to talk about women's problems. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. you're one of them, Karen. But <laughs> so this might be one of those podcasts that the men recommend their women listen to. But I think it's very important for men to understand what we're going through also because a lot of men say, oh, why don't you just get on the pill and don't really understand the consequences of that's the catch-22 is that women – take these birth control pills, and there are various different doses, too. Some are more progesterone, some are more estrogen. There's three different types of phasic pills that women are prescribed. But these things are poison. They're not real. Our bodies don't know what the hell to do with them. And there's like 28 different types of estrogens alone in these things, and that's what makes us crazy. And then there goes our sex drive. Right, right. So we we you kind of established that the birth control pill is something that um women want to stay away with stay away from so i know that a lot of recommendation has been given to iud's what's the, is there any drawback on an iud or is there is that something that they should be gravitating more towards oh no 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 um this is what, this is where the podcast women at the end of this will will say well Diane what should i use for birth control then so I, I definitely want to make to, to start this podcast by saying there is going to be a, a light at the end of the tunnel where we talk about at the end of this podcast what natural alternatives I recommend because the first thing I want people to understand is that there is no good birth control. There really isn't. These things came out in like the 1930s, 1950s, and it, it, it just look at women's health since then. It has just gone downhill. So... First of all, an IUD is a tiny little intrauterine device. That's what it stands for. And it's inserted into a woman's vagina, into her canal, to her uterus. And what it does is, you know, first of all, the, the marina is full of hormones that basically trick our body into thinking it's pregnant. So I tried that actually for two months. And no, it wasn't even two months, Darren. It was probably like a month. And I... <laughs> Where do you? I I couldn't function for two weeks. It hurt so bad. I felt like I was depressed. I I literally gained five pounds in one week on that thing, and I just didn't even want to stick it out because it was it was yes it was convenient, but that thing just made me feel crazy and bloated and it hurt like it was the worst thing I've ever felt in my life having it put in inside of me. It it nothing can compare to that pain, and I've been a, you know an athlete all my life, so that's the marina. That's the IUD. I actually had a friend of mine, um, client of mine, I, I, I shall say. She's a friend and a client. She is. She had the Mirena IUD in for a long time. And just recently, because she's in a marriage where she doesn't need birth control anymore, and she was taking it for other reasons than just birth control, which is what doctors like to wrap around this recommendation for. And I said, you know, why are you even on it anymore? Why do you even need it? She said, you're right. I'm going to have my husband's tubes tied. <laughs> of course, men go, no, I don't want to do that. You know, and I, I met her husband actually like a week ago in person, and he's like, damn it, Diane. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, it's okay. It's a separate conversation for him. He's like, well, no, what's that going to do to me? Is It's kind of like, you know, when horses have to have them castrated, they, they become less of a man, you know, so men get all this whole, like, but I don't want to do it. But for women, you know, they have to, it's either, one, they have to deal with the women and the consequences of our mood swings and our hormonal changes and uh, and, and the, the not wanting to have sex. Or, it's, you know, you get your tubes by and you have great sex you don't have to worry about it anymore and everyone's happy. So, um that she had her taken out, and it, it was a very complicated procedure. She had to go back three or four times, Darren, three or four different appointments. They couldn't mm-hmm. find this thing in her. Oh, my they, God. They, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah it's, like this, it's literally like a fish hook, um, if you could imagine a larger fish hook that's inside of us. And they couldn't find where it was. They were having complications. She was freaking out. So after three or four appointments, they finally said, okay, we're going to give this one more shot. And she was, she was scared. Um, they took it out, and she was literally that night, she was bleeding so bad that her husband wanted to take her to the ER. So hmm. these things don't come without consequences. And the marina, the, the little hook inside of us, that also has a ton of, um, like I said, fake hormones that are just mm-hmm. altering the structure of what we are as women. So that's the marina. Now you, the copper IUD is a different one. Did you want to get me to get into my story with that one? Yeah, before you do, though, I wanted to just um, go back to the birth control pill, just a little interesting story, and I think we shared this on a podcast um, as mm-hmm. well, on the Wellness Warrior podcast. But um, when I first started my boot camp, I had a woman call me. She was actually in her... 40s, I think 42, 43, maybe somewhere in there. And she called me and she said, well, Darren, she said, I can't lose these last 10 pounds. So I kept talking to her and then something went off at like a red flag. I said, um, are you on birth control? And she's like, yeah, I'm on birth control. I said, that's your last 10 pounds right there. And I asked her, I said, why, you know, I, I kind of got into her personal business and said, why are you still on birth control? And she, you know, she told me, but I said, that's probably why you can't lose the last 10 pounds. And she said, she thought for a minute and she said, you know what, you're exactly right. <laughs> and I don't know what yeah. she did after that. She never came to my boot camp, but I don't know what she did after that. But I would I would venture to to, to think that she'd probably go off and, and go to a doctor and see about getting off the getting off the pill. So. But, um, okay, so let's get into, um, you know, your story, because I know personally your story. You told me about the whole uh, copper toxicity uh, issue that you had. But, uh, yeah, get into that. Oh, get into it. I will, Darren. Okay, so for me, just like any other woman, I have had a long history of birth control uses. And I started off when I was, I think I was about 17 or 18 years old, and just for the same reasons that everyone, every other woman has, I, I had acne, I had cystic acne, I had cramps like crazy, I would have to stay home from school for two days because I had such bad cramps. And at the time, I didn't think I had any alternatives. So I just did what my doctor said and I took birth control, the pill. And I gained weight. I'll remember looking back at freshman pictures in college when I first started taking the pill. I gained so much weight in like a year that I was like, I don't want to take this thing anymore. And so I wasn't on birth control for a couple of years. And then when I was 23, I did Depo-Provera. And Hmm. Depo-Provera is a shot. That's an administered shot like every three months. And it's just a really heavy dose of progesterone that – 
you can actually, I mean, there's there's questions in my mind that now I could even say something like if, if women really want um, to mimic this birth control shot with progesterone, you can kind of mimic the same thing with plant-based hormones only through a dropper, but I'm not, this is not my medical advice, but you can get this same administration of the dosage um, through a dropper that I recommend to clients that, um, you know, bioidentical hormones that are from plants as opposed to having this synthetic injection of progesterone injected into your buttock or your arm. And I did this, Darren, for seven years, from the time I was 23 to the time that I was 30. And you know what? I thought it was hella cool because I didn't get it. I had got no period <laughs> for seven years. Oh, my years. God. Is that healthy? <laughs> Is that healthy? Or Oh, right? No. No, no, no. It's actually one of the worst things that you can do because women, I mean, we're here to be fertile. We're here to go through our cycle every 28 to 30 days. And I thought it was so, so cool to not get my period because I was able to say to the men that I was dating that, you know, oh, I don't bleed, so we can have sex anytime, and I don't get crampy, I don't get moody, you're the luckiest guy ever. <laughs> so... I thought it was the awesomest thing in the world that I didn't get my period. But what what it does not enable us to do as women is to go through that circadian rhythm, that cycle every 28 to 30 days. That is a major purging process for women. It is a major process that we need to go through to be healthy. And that's why tricking our bodies into thinking that we're pregnant and not having um, an ovulatory cycle that not only involves bleeding, but the ovulation as well is not a good idea and why a lot of women are having so many problems. So when, when I took this shot, Darren, the thing that they told me every single month is that, or every quarter when I went in there, is that I need to make sure I'm taking a calcium supplement. So what I was doing is I was like, oh, yeah, for the first couple of years, I was like, I don't care, whatever, I don't even know what that means. But the reason why they were saying that is that it's too low levels of, because what a regular period means that you don't have enough estrogen because they're administering a ton of progesterone. There's two hormones that regulate our cycle, and that's progesterone and estrogen. So when they give you a bunch of progesterone, you're progesterone dominant. And I'm not going to lie, that seven years is awesome. Like, my body looks trimmer. Um, gosh, I'm probably going to sell this thing to women, but I'm not trying to. But it was awesome to not get a period. However, that did not come with long-term consequences, which I'm going to share in a minute. But so you so you effect. didn't uh, come hmm? cut you off right here. This sounds like a quick question. So you Go didn't ahead. gain any weight from the no, from the shot. No weight. No, I okay. didn't gain any weight. But this is where it, every woman's going to chase what works for her, right? Because we hmm. all have such unique balances of hormones, and there's so many things that we'll talk about later that can throw off our hormonal levels, particularly adrenal stress, adrenal fatigue, and you know chronic stress. But particularly just taking one type of, um, and they say with, with uh, the shot that you shouldn't be on it for any longer than two years. But you know what, Darren, every time I went in there, no nurse said to me, hey, Diane, you've been on this thing for seven years now. You might consider trying a different form of birth control because they don't recommend it. The AMA does not recommend it longer than two years because there's such a high risk of long-term fertility issues. And I'm not trying to get pregnant now, but I wonder if I did, if I was to have any problems. It's also a huge impediment to the health of your heart and your bones. It, it causes osteoporosis and heart disease and diabetes. So thank God I eat healthy because diabetes is caused by eating too much sugar. But you know what? 
I actually, um, I, I with my calcium intake, I started to have problems and major injuries. I started, you know, I broke a couple bones during that whole process. So it's not okay to not have your period. I think it's very important to ovulate. I think it's very important to go through that cleansing phase. So that's what makes us women, right? Yeah. So you yeah. asked me that question in the way to talking about my journey. So I did, I did that for seven years until I was 30. Then I got off of that and tried the Mirena, and I had that thing taken out immediately because it killed me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I tried the copper IUD because mainstream media talked about the copper IUD being a great alternative because there's no hormones. So I was like, great, I'll just put this hook thing in me, and I can have all the sex I want, and there will be no problems, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and any man will say, sure. So I had that put in, and everything was great. Everything was fine. It hurts like hell to have it put in. But I did it to take one for the team because I can have that thing in for 10 years and I can just go about my business and not worry about getting pregnant. But then two years later, this was about six months ago, two years later I started realizing that I was a different woman and things did not feel the same. So can you I describe that? So can you yes. describe that? Were you like a, a shrew or were you like a, I'm not going to use the B word, but <laughs> but were you just hard to live with or, or what? Yeah, and mainly I had to live with myself, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not the codependent type that if I'm having problems, I'm going to go, you know, siren it out to the world and make everybody miserable. I'm going to stay home and I'm not going to engage with anybody else because I don't want them to, to experience the wrath that was me. So... Six months ago is when I had had it in for about a year and a half. And I, it, it's these things, that's why we say every little bit counts. And, and really, like, this whole theory is that we're a frog and water that's cool when we first jump in it and things aren't so bad, but then the water starts to boil. And toward the end, we're this frog and we're not jumping out of the water. We're just chilling and they're going, oh, okay, it's, water has, has kind of changed a little bit, but we just don't notice it because it takes so long. And then one of us, all day one, all of a sudden we go, I'm not the same person. I was going back and forth between anxiety and depression. I was um, not getting the sleep that I wanted. I definitely wasn't getting restful sleep. I wasn't even getting tired until 1 in the morning, and I was waking up exhausted. Um, my acne was um, irregular. My periods were extremely irregular. And the biggest thing I noticed was the 10-pound theory thing, Darren. You know, that, that last 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. That, and for me, it wasn't like 10. It was kind of this five to six mm-hmm. pounds of weight. But the biggest thing I noticed for me was chronic fatigue, and my sex drive was gone, like gone. And this is coming from a woman who I'm not going to get too detailed, but I was always the one who was suggestive in my relationships. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it becomes this task, and mm-hmm. it caused a lot of turmoil in my relationship. Hmm. All right, so let's get into, um, and I know you wanted to get into this, and this is something that I made a couple of videos about, and it's the whole uh, whole aspect of estrogen dominance. Can you explain that? And that affects, I, I mean, I know this is geared more towards uh, women, but it does affect uh, men as well. Can you kind of explain that concept? Estrogen dominance, yeah. So I, well, I'm going to get into some of the statistics, Darren, because I want people to know, and this is what estrogen dominance typically means, with these statistics I'm going to share. So first we'll share some statistics, which is why I'm so 
um, against birth control, standard method of birth control, uh, and we'll get into the natural methods that I recommend later. But typical risk factors are associated with estrogen dominance. So women who are on the pill and have had three sexual partners in their life are 15 times more likely to develop cervical cancer because of estrogen dominance. A woman who takes birth control for two years before they're 25 and has never been pregnant increases her odds of getting cancer tenfold. Women who get migraines, which is super, super common in my, among my practice, and they don't know what's wrong with them, but women who get them and take birth control are two to five, two to four times more likely to have a stroke than women who get migraines and don't take birth control. That's the whole, like, um, blood clotting theory. And that's where Yaz comes in. Yaz is super popular, but if you've noticed on Facebook, there's these little things that pop up that say, if you're on Yaz and there's huge lawsuits going on right now. Have you seen those, Darren? Yeah, I've seen those. Explain that again to me about the whole the whole stroke thing. Say that again. So, well, well Yaz. Okay, so Yaz, what, what's happening is it's, it's, altering, it's altering everything inside of the body. So I don't know, I can't get down to the chemical aspect or the biological aspect, but what it's, what's happening is women who are taking Yaz and other forms of birth control are suffering from deep vein thrombosis. And so these are the blood clots that cause strokes. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden you hear all these women, like, this is so not normal, but I'm hearing tons and tons of women having strokes. Like, well, strokes and heart attacks are typically things that we've associated with men because men don't take care of themselves and they eat burgers and they, they don't go to the doctor, so all of a sudden they... they have heart attacks and diseases and stuff. But women, this is not a normal women thing, and that's what's happening, like, left and right, is that women are taking these birth control pills, and all of a sudden, by the thousands, there were, like, 6,000 deaths related to this pill, um, Yasmin, when it first came out. And it's because of estrogen dominance. Our liver cannot filter out this estrogen as fast as we're administering it. So estrogen dominance is what's the majority of the problem that we're having with all these side effects. So there's a really, this, I don't know if you've heard Sean Croxton talk about this on his podcast one time, but this was interesting to me. Women, when we take these fake hormones, it alters our senses. And one of them is our smell. So here's what's interesting. So women... You're taking birth control pills. This may have happened to a couple of you, and even in marriages. You, your sense of smell is inhibited when you take birth control, and so you meet this guy, and everything's great, and, you know, maybe you meet him at the gym, and he's all sweaty, and you're like, wow, I'm not even bothered by his sweat smell. <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years later, you get off of the birth control pill, and you start wanting to have sex and maybe make babies. And all of a sudden, you're like, man, he just smells horrible. <laughs> like, I can't stand his smell. <laughs> this happens, and women are, we're not listening to our bodies enough, but if we were, we would actually notice this. So I'm not lying. <laughs> when I changed my birth control, and I went from um, getting off of the depo shots and then uh-huh. taking, um, do, having the copper IUD put in, my sense of smell heightened, and all of a sudden, my boyfriend at the time had the worst breath in the world, and it became a major problem in our relationship, <laughs> and we, <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear this podcast, <laughs> but we broke up, we totally broke up, the sex drive thing was an issue too, mm-hmm. but it it really alters our senses, and it's, and I, I would venture to think that it's more than just smell. 
Yeah, one of the things that stuck out to me um, from that podcast, I remember listening to that as well, but one of the things that stuck out to me was the fact that a lot of women that are on birth control, they're trying to circumvent having a child, but in effect, they're actually killing their sex drive because they're killing testosterone. And women don't have as much testosterone as men do, but you need that testosterone for your libido and that the pill actually kills that testosterone. So that I thought that that was just like, a um a catch twenty two to to having the birth control is that it just lowers the testosterone, so therefore you're not even wanting to have sex at all when you're on it. Oh, that right there, Darren. Okay, so I'm glad that you brought that up because Dr. Sarah Gottfried is amazing, and she's taught me a lot of what I know about what I do about hormones. And she um she indicated on one of the podcasts that there's been studies and that the number one problem that with women who have been on the pill, particularly long-term, and that's what, that's, that includes the majority of women because I've had women come into my practice who have been on the pill for 25 years. They're like 45 years old and they're still on the pill, and I'm like, oh, no, okay, so I've got, a, I've got some work here to do. But the new evidence is that up to a year after a woman gets off of the pill, mm-hmm. her testosterone is super low. And during the time that we women are on this pill, and that's the whole irony and the whole catch-22 of all of this, is that women take the pill so that they can have sex safely without having to worry about getting pregnant, but it drops our testosterone like the Tower of Terror at Disneyland. It just, boom! (laughs) And then you know what? (laughs) And that's a good visual. You know, women are like, you imagine your, your testosterone, and that just literally drops your sex drive right there with it. And not just sex drive, but testosterone is responsible for a lot of things. It's responsible for building muscle. So women who can't lose that, the weight and build muscle, that's another problem. The other thing is, is having the drive and the motivation to be a you know, woman wellness warrior. And so there goes that testosterone, there goes that sex drive, there goes ambition, and there goes our sex life and our relationship. But then women think, well, I'm going to get off the pill. And even a year later, and I'll get into something later called um, post-birth control syndrome. The, the medical industry has now coined it. Watch out, there, because there's going to be a lot of new... Uh, yeah, a new, a new drug, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here, let me yeah. give you testosterone now that you're off of the birth control, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So the number one problem with women that they're having before uh, menopause or just getting off of the pill which increases their PMS symptoms too, is that testosterone is super, super, super low, and it doesn't recover on its own because our adrenals are so tapped. That's where testosterone is manufactured for a woman is in her adrenals. I'll get into what all of that means later. But the other one is that sex-binding hormone globulin is, um, I always say that wrong, but sex hormone-binding globulin, it soaks up the free testosterone in a woman's body. And a year after, that is super-duper high still. So you imagine like a little Pac-Man is the sex hormone binding globulin, and it's still around there like eating up even the, the new testosterone that a woman is starting to manufacture again. It's still eating all that stuff up. So there's no sex drive. You think yeah. that it comes back, but you, there's a major resetting process that I work with a lot of women, and it takes like six months to a year to bounce back from. These things don't just come back. So while we're on estrogen dominance, so let's let's just play. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and sure. I'm going to say um, I'm Henrietta. I am 
Uh, let's say I'm 35. I just got married. I decided I want to go off the pill. I've been on the pill since I was 18. I want to go off the pill. I get off the pill. And for most women, I know that they think, okay, I'm off the pill. Now, does that estrogen just automatically go out of the body or how do we get, how do you take estrogen out of the body if it's synthetic estrogen? Oh, I love that you asked that question because that is the caveat to all of this, Darren. So I'll go back to kind of finish my copper IUD story. I had I had that sucker removed, and I still have it right here in my drawer. <laughs> I only, I mean, I'm going to save it for a fishing trip. No, I'm kidding. I actually <laughs> use it. <laughs> if you watch, there's a video on my website where I talk about my story um, on dianekazer.com, D-I-A-N-E-K-A-Z-E-R.com. Under my services tab, it talks about um, hormone harmonizing. And in that video, I actually show the the image of the copper IUD. So when I had this thing taken out, and it was a pleasant process. When I went in there, it was was okay to have it removed. They found it. (laughs) They didn't have to go fishing for it in there. But I had it removed, and and it was pretty instant, Darren, that within, I think it was on my third day, because I really tracked all of this so I could share it with women and scream it from the mountains that I lost 6 pounds and 2.5% body fat in three days after having that removed. And that was due to the copper toxicity that you had or the heavy metals? Yes. It was from inflammation of whatever kind that my body was harboring to protect myself from the copper toxicity that, that ensued from having this thing in me for a year and a half. So I actually had five times the amount of safe copper in my system, and I had this tested through hair tissue mineral analysis. So this is not just something that I'm guessing. I had five times the amount of safe copper in my body, five times. And that plus, because you look at zinc and copper as a ratio to kind of determine healthy mineral balances in women, and my copper to zinc ratio was extraordinarily off. Copper is supposed to be about 20 in the body. Mine was about 10. So this ratio that was off was lending to all of my crazy mental symptoms. I mean, they, these that ratio in the medical science industry, if it's as off as it was, like mine was, they look at they look at um, it, it, people who have like ADHD and schizophrenia and other sorts of bipolar disorders, and copper zinc is one of the ratios they look at. And mine was so out of whack that it was at the levels that they would diagnose someone with bipolarism and um, schizophrenia. <laughs> so what you're telling me now here is that when men have that claim, like I, my, my buddies are married, it's, man, my wife is crazy. So literally, women are crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. I, it, it's it's so crazy because copper and zinc are not only minerals, but they're they're also regarded as neurotransmitters in the brain. So this is what's super important to know about why, you know, you would think, okay, well, I'm just going to go with the copper IUD because there's no hormones in there that's going to screw with my body, but wrong. These copper and zinc are super important. They have some of the same functions as a neurotransmitter. So an imbalance of copper and zinc will lead to things like, like I said, hyperactivity and um, other you know, depression is one of them. It, it might go between depression and anxiety. And so when, when they test these copper levels, they're elevated in people who have these mental problems. They're like smaller earthquakes, like lighter on the spectrum on the Richter scale, which I was having 
slight panic attacks and about the depression. I wasn't telling anybody this. I was so embarrassed. And high copper can also cause severe PMS and estrogen intolerance and skin issues. Um, a lot of women complain about psoriasis, too, just like really sensitive skin in general, people who are, get sunburned easy, and really, really poor immune function. I was getting sick, like super-duper sick, once every two months. I had never been so sick so frequently after I had mine put in, and I didn't correlate it. I did not correlate it at all. It just seemed like every other month I was in my deathbed chugging ginger, which I later found out that I'm intolerant to, which is a whole other story. If your listeners want to tune into my seminar, I'm having one a webinar on Thursday talking about um, food insensitivities. So um, I'm insensitive to ginger. So anyway, I'll go back to uh, copper because copper in the body mimics estrogen, and those two together, copper and estrogen, are like BFS in the body. So what happened with me is I wasn't even taking estrogen. I wasn't taking the pill. And my estrogen rose with my copper toxicity in the body. And then guess what follows those two? Yeast. Oh, so, can, candida? Candida albicans, uh-huh. which yeah. 85% of not just women, but 85% of us have yeast toxicity, yeast overgrowth in the body, and that just can't be detoxified without finding out the root cause of it. And in my case, the mm-hmm. root cause of my yeast was the copper. I never had yeast problems until I had, this is such an embarrassing topic for someone to talk, women to talk about. I don't care. I just want to get the word out. But I, I, do, I wasn't having, like, yeast, um, I wasn't having yeast infections that were so obvious, but little things that were yeasty inside my body that otherwise just passed off. Like, I had this stuff in the inner lining of my mouth when I worked out that was kind of like, you know, women know what I'm talking about when I say that, but the copper toxicity increased my estrogen dominance and it increased the amount of yeast in my body. And the only way, Darren, the only way to really, really, really get that stuff out of your system, especially the estrogen, is to, there's one supplement I used called DIMPRO, mm-hmm. and that flushed the heck out of my liver. It, it got the excess hormones that were stuck in my liver out of the system. That was part right. of my weight loss. That was a big part. And that's what a lot of women actually take to reduce acne, too, because they have so much estrogen in the liver, and our liver is too overwhelmed to get it out. Yeah, that's what DEM is, uh, diendomethane. There's another one out there, too, that actually uh, takes estrogen out of the body. And right offhand, I can't remember it. Um, uh, it's calcium something. I'll, I'll remember it before we get in, before we end the show. But um the uh, you you discuss estrogen dominance. Can you kind of talk because you you started talking about progesterone uh, earlier in the in the in the in the podcast in the show, but can you kind of talk about that and how it relates to estrogen dominance? Yeah, actually, this this is huge, and I just did a video on this, and I I, I can't scream this from the rooftops either enough. Um, but when when we women have so much estrogen in the body, it it may or may not influence progesterone decreasing, but when there's estrogen dominance, which is so common, then progesterone doesn't have its, its chance to do its job. And one of the things that people don't know about is that the bleeding contributor to many of the autoimmune illnesses that we have, which is like one in ten women, and they don't they think that there's just no hope for them, um, there's like 60, 66% also increased risk of breast cancer, when estrogen dominance happens and low progesterone is in existence because um, there's one of the hormones used in the pill is E2. It's one of the most potent type of 
fake estrogens. They're saying that it should be included in a list of known cancer-causing carcinogens, but of course, as you know, the AMA would have to approve that, Darren, and you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, PCOS is another major risk, and many other, you know, because what estrogen is, is it's a growth hormone. So women go through puberty, they grow breasts, they, they just grow. And so when we have too much estrogen, things grow, and cancer is one of them. Uh, it's a pro-growth hormone, also mood swings, but, you know, we grow. <laughs> Our clothes don't fit that well. So yeah, PCOS, yeah, waking is huge, and PCOS is super common, and that's one of the major reasons why women can't get pregnant later on, and only one in three of them end up getting pregnant at that point because um, this whole cascade of corruption that these hormones cause in the body that are not reversible unless you actually work with someone like me to help balance, rebalance and retrain the hypothalamus to communicate with the adrenal. That sounds really geeky, but for, for all women, you need to know something about progesterone. The majority of you are low, extremely low with progesterone, Progesterone is a natural diuretic that helps us stay trim. And it, it, especially if you have low progesterone, you're going to have weight gainer in the belly area, the mood swings I talked about, abnormally heavy flow during your period, which is one of the reasons, that's one of the main reasons women get on the pill. Super low sex drive, um, breast pain, depression, anxiety, just chronic pain, insomnia. All of it's related. I talked about immune system health. Um, but... Excessive cramps is one of the reasons I got on the pill. But all mm-hmm. these things, including, you know, I've been water retained all my life when I get when I get my period. I've always just thought it was just a period thing, and it's actually not normal. None of these things are normal. Um, to ha- to want to crave more food around that time of the month is normal um, because we're burning like a hundred more calories a day for a week up until the time we start bleeding. So women grab for food. That's okay. There's our metabolism is actually higher. But the sweet cravings and stuff like that, that's not normal. So we got to get a handle on that. Yeah, is that is chocolate one of those two? Because I noticed that a lot of women <laughs> gravitate towards chocolate, which is nothing wrong with that if, you, if you're going to gravitate towards dark chocolate. But most of, you know, some women are gravitating towards uh, Milky Ways and Hershey bars and stuff like that. But right. um, is that one of the reasons why, you know, the whole dark chocolate thing, like they say chocolate is a woman's best friend? So women are gravitating toward you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> my chocolate friends. Um, actually, yes. That's one of the reasons, Darren. The, the, it depends on where a woman's at, but hormones regulate. You know, there's insulin is one of the hormones that regulates our blood sugar levels, and blood sugar levels tend to go crazy just before a woman's period. So that, that is definitely one reason why a woman is craving chocolate. The other reason is that we tend to have more mineral deficiency toward the day one of our period, which day one is when we start bleeding. And mm-hmm. magnesium is a, a huge deficiency a lot of women suffer from, and that's, you know, chocolate has a lot of magnesium in it. So if you're, if you're craving the Milky Ways or the, any chocolate in general, typically it's a, it's a um, mineral deficiency. So I actually recommend my clients take minerals every night before they go to bed to help regulate that and minimize some of the cravings. So, yeah, that's a really good question. I get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just off the cuff uh, with progesterone, it's not also something that's good for women. It's actually good for men, too. So a lot of men yeah. uh, can can use progesterone, too. I've actually used it. It makes you feel like you're 18 again, guys. So um, <laughs> you might want to you might want to check into that if you're, you know, you're over 40 like I am. So um, you mentioned something earlier in the show about post, birth control syndrome, I guess that is, post-BC syndrome. Can you explain that? 
Yeah, so so we talked a little bit about post birth control syndrome already, but like I like I mentioned, it's it's something that is um now being diagnosed kind of like obesity has been diagnosed um within the medical community. But but it's something that where um your hormones are not going back to balancing themselves out on their own again. You know, it it takes a long time to to reboot your system after you get off of the pill or any birth control pill or any any contraceptive for that matter. And I actually four years ago went in to see um, a naturopath and, and, and attempted to learn what I should be doing to help to stabilize my hormones getting off of this. Because if you look, if you Google for this, you're going to see a ton of women in forums talking about how horrible it was from the transition off of the pill into something else or not doing the pill at all. So I don't recommend, just like I don't recommend just stop smoking cold turkey, to get some support and to really support your system, not just from your friends and family, but also nutritionally, and to help detoxify some of these things from the body to get back to homeostasis. Of course, the doctors are not going to tell you, oh, take some Dimpro, flush the estrogen out. You know, they're not going mm-hmm. to tell you to take a supplement or a plant-based hormone. They're going to try to give you something else. But it's, it's going to be something that's going to be maybe recognized in the community. I hope they don't start dishing out disability checks because of it, but... I don't recommend that anybody get off of the pill without consulting like a naturopath or a functional diagnostic practitioner like myself to get you back to where you are at a homeostasis and balanced level of hormones inside of the adrenals. And that's what I want to talk about next, Darren, is um, adrenal fatigue. Yeah, before so, we get into that, before we get into that, sure. let me, um, if anybody has a question, we're, we're just about halfway through the show. So if you have a question, call in now at number 646 716-9371. Hit one, and you can ask your question. I'll bring you on the air to ask your question. And I couldn't remember what the other supplement was that took estrogen out of the body, but I had a little elf come in here and tell me what it was. And it is uh, actually uh, calcium deglucurate. So the one you were talking about was Dempro, and uh, calcium uh, deglucurate is another one. And coincidentally, for men, too, men can have high estrogen levels. I remember when I first started getting tested, I was on calcium deglucurate because I was a big consumer of um, soy milk. I thought soy milk was was healthy for me, and I didn't I couldn't eat drink dairy anymore, so I wanted to have my cereal, which I didn't I don't eat anymore. But soy kind of threw me out of balance, and I had to be on uh, calcium deglucurate for a while to get that excess estrogen out of my body. So, all right, so let's go into adrenals. So what what's what what about the adrenals, Diane? Okay, so our adrenals people tend to either know what this is or they just think that it's this, like, thing in the body that makes adrenaline to help us run from a tiger. And in a sense, we're sort of correct, but our adrenals are an endocrine gland that sits on top of the kidneys. And what what the role of our adrenals is, is it is a manufacturing storehouse for a ton of hormones. And, you know, progesterone is mainly produced here, um, some the other sex hormones are produced here too. It's not the only place because people tend to correlate estrogen and testosterone only where it's being produced in the sex organs, right? But yeah, that's one of the places. But there's another place called the adrenals that produce a whole bunch of this stuff. And the adrenals' main responsibility is to help. It's, it's basically a, a twofold, and I'm just going to keep it simple. But there's two main roles for our adrenals. Number one is to cope with stress and to produce a hormone called cortisol 
in order to, quote-unquote, run from a tiger. And back in the days, a long time ago, we only ran from a tiger once in a while. But today we're running from a tiger, like, 24-7. So um, cortisol is being produced at high levels, and that's one fork in the road. The other fork in the road in our adrenals, and I don't have, you know, a whiteboard to show you guys this, but if you want to draw along, you can. Imagine there's two different pathways that the adrenals can take. One is to produce cortisol, which is comes from progesterone, to cope with stress. The other side is to produce sex hormones. So these this pathway starts with two things, a B vitamin and fat. So the first things first, ladies, men, too, you need fat in order to make sex hormones and cope with stress, hands down. This low-fat diet crap that's going around is one of the biggest myths on health since the 1950s, which is when we were told to eat a lot of carbs and cut out the fat. Low-fat, non-fat, I don't recommend that to my clients ever. Eat full fat because you need fat to make healthy cholesterol. I'm talking like the healthy fat, and we can get into that. That's a different topic. But healthy fats like avocado and you know, if you're going to do dairy, do yogurt and nuts and things like that. that. Those are healthy fats. Salmon is a great one. That with a B vitamin mixed cholesterol, which makes pregnenolone. That is a master hormone that has two options in the, in the adrenal gland. Like I said, number one is to make cortisol. The other one is to make our sex hormones. So pregnenolone makes DHEA, which then makes estrogen and testosterone. So I'm going to cut out DHEA for now and just make it simple. Mm-hmm. With pregnenolone, you can make stress hormones or you can make sex hormones. Because we are in such a chronic state of stress, our body's like, you know what, Darren? i got to run from this tiger right now. I ain't got no time to make any sex hormones. Sorry about that. i got to run. So while our body is busy responding to stress by making more and more cortisol, it is at the expense of testosterone and estrogen. So I see so many women with low testosterone and estrogen dominance. And the estrogen dominance particularly lies in the liver. It's just congested. And then I see a lot of men that have a lot of men, Darren. You would be surprised with how many men I see with estrogen dominance. Many of them have had more than I did. I and wouldn't be. Because <laughs> you did your calcium. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be because I, I know you see it. I mean, you see it. I go to the beach. You can. And you can see if the men have the man boobs, the big stomach, mm-hmm. that's all estrogen dominant. So you see it. Huh? So I'm not surprised. It's true. So when, one of my buddies yesterday, he's like, whenever I go to Starbucks, don't worry, I don't get dairy, I get soy. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you're a man, I'd say, just, I mean, if you're going to go to Starbucks, really there's no healthy alternative for milk there at all. So I say either bring your own almond milk or just don't go. I mean, it's it's really tough. People say, well, a little bit doesn't matter, but it really does. So um, so men have a lot of estrogen dominance too, and, and we need to flush that as well. But this is where the sex come in, comes in, and this is where if you want to have better sex and get your sex drive back, aside from just trying to alter your birth control, we got to revive the adrenals because your adrenals – 95% of what I deal with in my practice is adrenal fatigue. There's just our body is just under chronic stress so often it can't make enough of anything. So it's just it's just like I'm exhausted. I can't keep doing this. It's like 80 year old adrenal in a 20 year old body, which is crazy. That's what I'm seeing is a 20 year old, a 14 year old woman. There they have levels of testosterone and estrogen that are as low as their 80 year old grandma, and it is just sad. So. 
these are things that we would then, you know, supplement with. We would medicate with caffeine, and that just prolongs the problem, and it tears up your gut, and when it tears up your gut, there's inflammation in the gut, and inflammation in the gut raises cortisol because that's related to the adrenals, and then cortisol decreases your what's called SIG-A, and that's your inflammatory response in the body. If your SIG-A is, is um, your immune system, if that's low, you're going to get sick. So we've got this whole cascade. I know that's kind of geeky for some people, but that this whole this whole cascade happens where if your adrenals are down, your gut is also down. So then you have digestive problems, you have sex hormone problems, you have chronic fatigue, and that is 95% of what I deal with in my practice. Hmm. Hmm. Now, how does that relate to um, to serotonin? How does this how does all this all this relate to to serotonin? Oh, I'm glad you asked that because serotonin, I, serotonin is, and it's in the name because I like, of course, we did the S thing, but serotonin is our happy neurotransmitter. And if we don't, you know, the majority of us produce nowhere near the amount of serotonin that we need. And when people are low in serotonin, this is when they're getting prescribed antidepressants because they're going, I'm not happy. So serotonin, 95% of it is manufactured in the gut. 95%, but yet 85% of us have leaky gut. And if we have leaky gut, there ain't no time to make any neurotransmitter called serotonin. It, mm-hmm. Leaky gut just basically means it's like food that's leaking into our bloodstream that shouldn't. And then that's when we have an inflammatory response and autoimmunity happens and people get thyroid dysfunction. But the leaky gut contributes to an inability to release the neurotransmitters called serotonin to make us feel good. And so many of us just have a torn up gut, and we can't make that happy neurotransmitter. And it's not just serotonin, but it's the other things like the estrogen and the testosterone, that all these things need to be in harmony in order to be happy. So one of the bigger things that I recommend in my practice, um, because people are complaining of mood dysfunction and, and suppressed mood and not feeling the same way they used to, and I'm one of the happiest people I know, um, but I still take a, uh, I still take what's called 5-HTP every day, twice a day, morning and night. And 5-HTP just basically is the precursor to serotonin. So I have leaky gut. I have gut dysfunction. It's not just, you know, I've been super healthy for the last five years, but the years before that, I wasn't healthy. I was eating like crap, like I said. I've had my fair share of drinking and drugs over the years, and so... All of that, and even just if, if someone takes an antibiotic one time in their life, just once, it could lend to candida and leaky gut and a suppressed ability to make serotonin, and then all of a sudden they're not happy. Just one cycle, their whole life. It's yeah, so crazy. yeah, with the serotonin thing also, um, and you can kind of make this connection for the audience. I mean, you look at serotonin being made in the gut, and you look at your immune system is located in your gut. So if your gut is jacked up, then you're going to ha- you're going to be sick all the time, and you're not going to be happy at all, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And one of the things that I also like to recommend for women is a, is a B vitamin because B, like I said, B makes um, cholesterol to make pregnenolone, which is a master hormone for the adrenals. But B is also necessary to make serotonin. Um, and you may have heard this. This is something really interesting I heard on the documentary Food Matters. They talk about administering uh, niacin, which is a B vitamin, B3. And, and if you've seen that documentary, you would have heard the part where he talks about how they administer a ton of niacin, like 10,000 measures of it, to curb depression. 
because when, when B3 is low, our body actually uses tryptophan, which otherwise would convert to serotonin. It steals tryptophan to make niacin. So if you give someone niacin, their mood enhances. And so this, it's all related. And the other part about bees is, is we talked about sex and sleep. I also want to talk about sleep. Um, Americans, primarily women, we are deficient in B6. And B6 is something that makes melatonin. Melatonin is our sleep hormone. So B6, if we're deficient, 75% of women uh, are deficient in B6. No wonder why we can't sleep. Yeah, I've oh. noticed a lot of... Well, related. Um, I, yeah, I talked to um, you know uh, quite a few number of women that are over 40, and the one thing that I always hear, the one common thing is that I don't I don't sleep well. Is that the reason why they're not sleeping sleeping as well? Yeah, it's it's common. It's not just men. It's not just women. But it it could be um, B. I, I recommend B complex for the majority of my women in practice. I take it myself every single day. But you know what, Darren? When I did my test, um, I was taking B every single day. But my melatonin. We want when I do testing for people, we want it to be around eighteen. Um, mine was like 8.8, <laughs> and wow. it was no wonder why I couldn't go to sleep until like after midnight, and that 10 o'clock p.m. to midnight hour, that two-hour period there, that is our adrenal break. That's when our adrenals heal, according to the circadian rhythm. That two-hour time period is worth four hours of healing to the adrenals. That's why I say you need to go to bed by 10 o'clock, not midnight. It's not just eight hours in general. That's why night shift workers have all sorts of adrenal problems. But one of the reasons why melatonin was so low is because my gut was super unhealthy. I have, you know, a lot of different um, pathogens that are in the body, which I, when I got tested, I saw I was really high in all sorts of aerobic bacteria, which aerobic bacteria contributes to yeast infections. And I've had UTIs since I was like 20 years old. And they gave me an antibiotic to take every day for the rest of my life. And I was like, that's when, that's when my journey started here. Because I went, you want me to take an antibiotic every day for the rest of my life because I have a UTI? And I was like, hmm. oh, hell no. So I was, I did some research, and I didn't even, it took me 14 years to get here. But it wasn't, it's not just the B6 or B deficiency that would lend to low melatonin and low sleep patterns. It's it's the culmination of a lot of things, but it's, um, like I said, one of the things, if, 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 I, if someone has a highly inflamed gut and our gut is always at war, it's, it's fighting something in there all the time. It can't make melatonin. It's got other jobs to do. It's trying to fight a war with all the bugs and the bacteria and the pathogen and yeast that exists in there that we need to address first. The other thing is that mentally we are just in a state of chronic fatigue. We just don't slow down. We don't meditate. We are just going way too fast for our body to be able to keep up with. That's why I say our adrenals are like 80 years old. We're, bo- we're borrowing energy from the future. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people are burning the candle at both ends, and I'm like, how you do it's It's... It's a quick race, but at some point you're just going to to flatten out. And I know I I was like that at one time. I was just always up, always on the go, and I would go to bed at eleven, twelve, twelve thirty, one in the morning, and then the next the next day it was just a struggle to get up. And um, I realized that uh, we pretty much go to bed between nine and nine thirty at my house, and I just noticed it's so much easier for me to get up in the morning and my day is not like I get that three o'clock low in the day anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just like I power through my whole day and that's the way I know that I'm getting getting enough sleep. So 
let's kind of bring this full circle and mm-hmm. um go back to just talking about hormones because that's mainly what we're you know what we're dealing with um what's the ideal ratio of progesterone to estrogen a woman should try for yeah, I want to get into that, and then I want to get into some of the recommendations I had for women that if they're not going to take the pill or if they're not going to take birth control, then what alternative methods do they have? Um, when I do my testing, first and foremost, with clients, I do lab testing, and it's saliva testing. I do this with clients all around the world, so I don't have to be, you know, your next-door neighbor to give you these tests. I have them mailed to my clients, and what I like to see, Darren, with progesterone to estradiol, which is one of the three estrogens that we measure, we like to see, like, a ratio of 45. So anywhere between 180 to 400 progesterone uh, to 4 to 5 of estradiol, depending on where the woman is in her cycle of life. Because sometimes with women who are premenopausal or menopausal, they're going to be a little bit lower because they're producing less estrogen. That's what menopause is, is your estrogen and progesterone levels drop pretty significantly, but it's the primary one that causes hot flashes and mood swings and um and not being able to sleep with women who are menopausal is low estrogen. So it's, it's, it's a pretty simple thing for me to help women who are menopausal. I can help them within like a good month and they're feeling much better. But anyway, 45 is, is the ratio I can see versus most clients who I see who are like three-fourths of that. They're about 30. And most of the women I see are like 60 progesterone, which I want them to be like between 180 and 400. They're like 60. And a lot of women are one to two estradiol, uh, versus like four to five, which, which is where I'd like to see. And if they're not, that's a sh- shutdown adrenal. That is a shutdown, like stage three. There's one more stage after that, and that's adrenal fatigue. So that's when I recommend women don't exercise. They they do yoga. That's when the people who say, oh, I exercise and I'm getting fatter. That's because mm-hmm. you're in stage three adrenal fatigue, man. You've got no more left to give. There's no, There's no cortisol to fuel you. So... Women in that stage, which is, I would say, 80% of my practice, I tell them not to exercise. And for women who want to lose weight, that is hard for them to hear. So um, most women I see also have about a third of the progesterone that we like to see in the work that, that we do. And then the testosterone is pretty low, too. So 45 is ideal, but it's not just the ratio is what makes up the ratio. Most women have, like, 30, 20 to 30% of the progesterone I'd like to see. And if they're not this, if they're not... Super, because I was stage two adrenal fatigue with estrogen dominance. Most women I see are stage three adrenal fatigue, and they have just no hormones. Like all of them are flatlined. Yeah, yeah. So if women are going to stay on birth control pills, what do you recommend they do in order to just to stay healthy if they're going to choose that method of birth control? Yeah, I think ladies out there, I really highly recommend that at this point. If you're gonna if you're gonna make the decision, make it and own it. But I think that you should. I mean, if you're already on it, don't just go. Okay, well, whatever. Diets are these things, but they don't apply to me because most women do that. I think that you should definitely do some research and not just any research. Please feel free to email me, DianeKaiser at gmail dot com, because um, and then go to my website, DianeKaiser dot com. There's a lot of resources on there because, like Darren and I talked about on a podcast. The, the medical community is skewed, and they're not, they're not going to tell you what you need to hear because most doctors don't give you full disclosure. And there's some things that I didn't even get to get into today about what they don't tell us about the pill, which is that it can cause um, pregnancies, and then it aborts, and you don't even know that. That's one of the biggest things I get frustrated about, that they're supposed to disclose that, um, well, 
I would say, ethically they should, but the, they did a vote in, like, 1991 or something, and they said, no, we're not going to tell these women that they still can get pregnant on this, but that they have, they lose the baby. And so it's, that's pretty disgusting to me. But anyway, mm. if you're going to stay on the pill knowing that you can get pregnant and lose that baby um, and you just think it's just blood, uh, I, I get so emotional when I even talk about that, but I'll move on. Um it's up to you, but I definitely recommend that you consider something like Zimpro, like we talked about. Calcium is um, dependent upon the person. I've had calcium excess levels, like 30 times the amount of calcium I should in the body, which can cause kidney stones and other kinds of stones in the body. So if you're a slow oxidizer, calcium is not going to be good for you. I do metabolic typing in my practice, and you can do some research on that on my website as well. But if you're someone who has a slower metabolism, calcium actually hurts you. The calcium is better for you. So I did a bad thing by taking calcium, and the kind of calcium matters too. But a powerful antioxidant is also very, very important to help facilitate flushing of the liver. So too is um, there's a bunch of herbs out there that I'd like to recommend. Biomatrix is the one I love. It's called Support Liver. It um, does both phases of detoxification, one that says, hey, we've got a toxin here, and then two that says, okay, this is how we flush the toxin. So a lot of people have problem with that, that second phase. They know how to identify a toxin, but they don't have the right chemicals that attach to it to get out of the body. So that's why I like that one. And then adrenal valve is another one I recommend through Biomatrix because that, that also facilitates the cleansing of the body and manufacturing the right hormones and balance to get these things moving. So um, if you do go to Biomatrix and... and purchase these, you have to put in a practitioner's name in order to purchase them, and you could just put in my name in there. Um, but really, these things are very, very important if you're just going to maintain just for maintenance. I and mean, a multi is always what I recommend. There's other things like getting enough sunshine as well. But either way, if you stay on the pill or if you decide to get off of it and try some of the methods that I'll talk about in a minute, there's, there's this disease, obviously we talked about that post-birth control syndrome. So liver and Liver and gallbladder detoxification is crucial. One of the things that I use like three times a week, and I know Darren does too, is doing coffee enemas. And it mm-hmm. may sound crazy, but you know, you're not driving up to a Starbucks or anything and saying, hey, can I have a coffee for my butt? You're, uh, <laughs> you're making this stuff at home. And it helps to detoxify your colon, and your colon is right next to the liver. And then I actually experience a lot of back pain relief when I do my coffee enemas, and I have a long history of back pain, and that's because there's less compression on my on from my liver onto my lower back. So I have a lot of women who do these coffee enemas, and they feel a lot of back pain relief, and they could do yoga better. And by the way, if there's anyone who ever does um, cancer treatments instead of doing chemo, which I highly recommend against, check out the Gerson Institute. They recommend doing coffee enemas like three or four times a day. So... Um, that's part of it, but, but there's something that I recommend in my practice, which is called Dress for Success Protocol, and that's diet, rest, exercise, supplementation, which I talked a little bit about today. Fish oil is a big one, too, um, as well as um, stress management. So yoga is huge for stress management. Sex is something I recommend for stress management. But um, one of my, one of my um, listeners asked me some of the foods that they should avoid and some things that they might do instead. So as we talked about already, Darren, Mm-hmm. Soy, there's just no benefit. It's 90% GMO. So it's a phytoestrogen. Men are getting man boobs. Men are getting colon cancer, and it's, that's part of it. Um, water, depending on where you live, much of our local water municipality is drugs. So you imagine these women were 
drinking horm or taking hormones and then we pee it out and they don't not every municipality actually filters the stuff out and that's what's in part killing some of the fish and the rivers and stuff because there's all these hormones they're finding out there and I have a website if anybody wants to look at the um, different kinds of water I recommend it's called Saucha Water S A U C H A Water dot com so you know doing using Brita and those pure things that you put on your um, your think it's not enough anymore to filter out all the culmination of the chemical shift storm that's in our system. So I recommend you take a look at that because there's a lot of hormones in the water as well. Milk, stay away from it. Why would you want to breastfeed from an animal as an adult? We talked about that in our podcast last week. It jacks up your hormones pretty significantly. Um, personal care products, look, look for the term parabens on your label. Avoid parabens at all costs. That is also a phytoestrogen. Pesticides are estrogenic as well, so eat as much organic as possible. Um, I did a video on my website called The Dirty Dozen, so it talks about which foods that you should buy organic and which foods you can not spend so much on. But basically the rule of thumb is if you're eating the skin of something, buy it organic, and apples are the dirtiest ones. So the last thing is tampons. Um, I used to use organic tampons or non-organic tampons. But realize that 85% of cotton seed is GMO, and they use cotton to make tampons. And we are putting these genetically modified cotton tampons inside of our lady garden, and no wonder why we're having a lot of problems, right? So the Diva Cup is something I recommend you also look into. I got one, and ovarian cancer is on the rise. They're saying that 70% of the 600,000 hysterectomies that are performed annually are unnecessary. So I say don't even test it. Don't use that kind of um, a tampon. Maybe try a Diva Cup or organic tampon. Hey, Don, real quick. I think I got a question here. I'll take a quick, real quick question before we before we wrap up. Sure. Caller from 803, what's your name and what's your question? Hey, Darren, this is Kim. I just wanted to listen in on the show. Oh, no okay. question. You know kind no of, question? Okay. I was kind right. of missed out. I got to catch up. <laughs> Okay. Hey, Kim. Hi. All right, I'm going to meet you back out, Kim. Okay. Let's get into, Darren, let's get into um, the alternatives for birth control because that's important. I want, that's the the kind of light at the end of the tunnel I want women to know, and I'll just spend five minutes kind of going through some of them. Yeah, go ahead. So um, one of the things, you know, and, and I've only been off of birth control now for about three months, so... I'm not super-duper experienced with this, but I know a lot on what our alternatives are. So one of the first things that that women can do is obviously ask their man to wear a condom. (laughs) That's really important because um, condoms actually can protect from sexually transmitted diseases too. So we were trained from a young age that we can use condoms, right? So that's going back to basics. I know men don't like to wear parachutes while they do their dive, but... Um, condoms are one way to, it's very, very effective. So condoms is, is one way of vasectomy I talked about. Diaphragm is another one. Pull-out method is another one. Uh, and that actually works depending on what cycle that you're in. So women, just to quickly understand what our cycle is even about, think about it in like a five, five thing, a five, the rule of fives. Day one through five, you're bleeding. Day six through ten, which is another day of five days, your egg is being prepared sort of in the oven. And then 
day 11 through 15 is your most fertile time where your egg has been released and ovulation has occurred. Now, ovulation, that egg only drops and hangs out for like 24 hours at most, and sometimes two eggs drop, but that's when you're the most fertile is day 11 and 15. So if you are doing, you know, if your guy wants to get in there and just have a good time and let it go, day one through five when you're bleeding, you can't really get pregnant because an egg hasn't been released. Some people don't want to take that risk, and it's totally up to you, but there's going to be a couple things that I recommend that you could even try, um, and not just try, but do, to test your temperature to see, because our temperature changes throughout our cycle, and when your temperature is lower, you're not, there's no, been no egg drop, so I'll get into that in a minute. But days 15, uh, 15 through 28 and 30, that's your luteal phase when your temperature goes back up. And you can't get pregnant then because the eggs are gone. The egg is ruptured. So, and that's when your progesterone is high again. Everything's back to normal. You'll, you're feeling good, and you don't have all these cravings and symptoms. So one thing to remember, too, in the rule of five is that sperm lasts five days in the womb. So let's say that day five you're done, you're done bleeding, and you're like, all right, let's get it on. Let's get it on if you do have a sex drive. <laughs> and um, you get it on, and your guy releases some little sperm guys, and they start running around looking for something. They can run around and look for an egg for like five days. So that's how long sperm can last inside of us. Now, if you did that on day six, and the sperm are still hanging out around in there, like I said, day 11 is when you're fertile. So if you, day six, you have some fun, five days later the sperm's still in there, then you can get pregnant. So... There's this whole ovulatory understanding that needs to be had with women and their cycles. So many women don't even understand what their cycle means. But what I recommend is there's a few different things you can try. There's cycle beads, so 32 different beads representative of the day of a woman's cycle that you're on. You're most fertile between days 8 through 19, so it really depends on your body. Um, if, you, if, you don't, if you have sex other than days 8 through 19, then you should be in a clear because there's no egg to permeate. There's no egg that's, that can be fertilized with sperm. So there's another way to track that, which is called the basal thermal method. And you basically wake up, you take your temperature, you track it, and when, a, when your temperature rises by one half to one degree, that's when you're typically in the clear, where you're, you're up to this point where your body raises and your temperature, that's when you become fertile for a certain period, and then it drops again, and then you're in the clear. So that's how to track that. The, the, another way you can track that, other than just writing it down, is uh, a machine. There's something called the OvaQ, and it's an advanced fertility monitor that enables you to predict ovulation up to seven days in advance. And it's really, really easy to use. It's like 98% accurate. It's not cheap. It's like 300 bucks, but it's really popular. And when you think about it, we're taking pills that affect us 100% of our lives when we don't have to take pills and just worry about that little 10-day time period where you can get pregnant, and if you spend 300 bucks for this machine, you could be, it's 98% accurate, so why not give that a shot? Why not? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I just wanted to end that thought, but that's, that's something that I'm doing right now. It's a basal thermal method. I am taking my temperature every single day. With a day one of when we start our period is when our temperature is lowest. That's why a lot of women are cold when they first, you know, start their period because our temperature is lower. After we've released the egg is when our temperature goes up. And so that's when you're most fertile. And then after it starts to 
so drop back down again is when you're not fertile anymore. So do a lot of research on this, guys. There's actually a book that I have. It's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. It really goes into all of this. And then you can look up the OVACUE, O-V-A-C-U-E, and that's another way of tracking all of this. So there's a there's a whole bunch of other recommendations I, get, I can give to you ladies, too. So all you have to do is contact me. But so far, I have a pretty good track record of not being pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've really educated me uh, as, as a male about all of these birth control methods. I know. And for, how are you, how are you for, doing? <laughs> fertility cycles and all of that stuff. But... Um, I'm going to kind of wrap the show up here, um, and I have one more question for you. With these hormone pro- how many people you see in your practice that you would say most of their weight gain and the problems that they're having is contributed to to hormonal imbalance? All of it, Darren. Mm-hmm. All of Every woman I see, every single woman I see has, I've never seen a woman come in with perfect hormones. I've and, and perfect is difficult to accomplish in a lot of things, but even remotely close to ideal, there are zero. Most of the women I see, like I said, are are so far down the road of adrenal fatigue and in hormone imbalance and also an impaired gut that we have a lot of work to do, and it's not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to happen with a pill. But, you know, the the protocol that I recommend is is intended to be the long-term strategy to bring them back to life. And one of the things that gets them back to life is having good sex. You know, having good sex is so important, and it, it, it releases what's called oxytocin in the body. And oxytocin is what what makes us feel closer to our mate. It, it helps us to. It's a natural stress reliever. It's a, a natural sleep hormone. So these things is what we're robbing our body of because the average woman has sex with their man only once a week. So. Um, it, it should be more than that if we can, more, you know, during the times of our cycle when we're not fertile. And that's, that's going back to basics. It's, it's kind of, you know, if you think about that little period between when we're, when we're fertile and not having sex, it kind of creates this nice little honeymoon phase where you're like, oh, you can't, not going to get it, not going to get it for 10 days. And it, it, we're taking advantage too much now of our convenience and our ability to have sex whenever we want, which I think is part of the problem with so many of our relationships. And it also contributes to the adrenal fatigue and the stress that we're having. We just don't have enough love. And um, I, I've never seen one woman come in who doesn't have a problem, but what I'd like to see more of is women who are trying to be more proactive instead of reactive. So I, I, case in point, I had a 24-year-old client, and I just did some work with her last week, and her, she has stage 3 adrenal fatigue. She is um, so young, and this, this is happening to kids even as early as 14 where their hormones are so, so low. So we need to really take it seriously. We really, really need to take it seriously. And it's not going to happen with a pill. It's not going to happen with a drug. And it's not just going to happen with an exercise program either. Yeah, and this is something that it, it isn't hard to do, right, Diane, to get those hormones back in, in balance if you if you work with somebody who knows what they're doing. And that's exactly it, Darren, is you can't just go to a standard regular nutritionist and say, build me a program on what to eat. You have to go to someone like me who's a functional diagnostic nutritionist um, who knows what they're doing, a holistic practitioner who works with bioidentical hormones and knows how to safely administer in the correct order based on lab testing which uh, and responsibly recommend different hormones that are good for you to bring you back to life and we don't want to be on these things for a long time, Darren. We only want to take these hormones for, you know, three, six months maybe uh, to regenerate our body's ability to do it on our own. 
and then get off of them. And then all of a sudden you're in maintenance mode and you're learning to be your own best doctor. But that's the idea is that you, you need to work with someone who knows what they're doing, who has a good track record with all these things and bringing women back to life because it's so crucial. It's so, so crucial. And that food sensitivities webinar I'm doing on Thursday also talks about the things that people might need to remove from their diet that are, you know, for instance, bananas and spinach are healthy in general, but they're not healthy to me. And it actually uh, creates a dysfunction in my gut and more leaky gut and more problems, which mm-hmm. increase my cortisol and lower my sex hormones. So it's important to know which foods are your poison and which foods are your medicine, too. Yeah, correct. And uh, you mentioned a webinar. You can mention that again. And I'm going to help you out with that Thursday. That's Thursday, I believe, right? Yep, this Thursday. Yeah. So how can they, do you have a Facebook event? How can they um, get on that webinar? Yeah, I actually do have a Facebook event. I also have a, um, you can go onto my website, com, and there's a, under the Learn tab, it, you just drop down the Learn tab, and it has information right there about the food sensitivities webinar that I have coming up, how to register. Uh, I'm giving $50 for the first 25 registrants. And um, so you can get hop on my webinar and start listening to all of this and see it. This is one of the first things I recommend to people is to find out what's causing the problems to pull the cortisol and lower your sex drive and all the other problems that we have. So, yeah, please visit my website, D-I-A-N-E-K-A-Z-E-R, Z is like zero, dot com, and learn tab, and that's where you're going to find the information on that webinar. It's free. Okay, good, good. Yeah, and I've always said that, Food sensitivities and food intolerances are the baseline for health because once you find out what you can't eat, then you know what you can eat. It's going to work um, for your body. So good, good stuff, good right. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So and anything else you want to say tonight before we end the uh, end the show? Well, you know what, Darren, I think I said a lot already. Um, I, I definitely have a lot more that I can say that uh, you know about women who are at different phases of their life, like menopause or women who are trying to get pregnant and alternatives for that because I see so many women struggle in my practice with various different types of things and it really all comes down to hormonal imbalances. So if you want to come back, if you want to have me back on your show, I could talk about other things like that depending on where a woman is at in her life because with all of this, it's really not that complicated. Doctors are making it complicated by pigeonholing us and all these different types of diseases and conditions, but it's really not complicated when you get down to the bottom of it. Once we actually fix and rebuild your health, then these things all repair themselves. And once you know moving forward what things to eliminate from your diet or from your life that that cause these things to begin with, you're on cruise control. You know, imagine you can spend thousands of dollars your entire life trying to figure out what's wrong with you. And that's why I say take the time, take a few months, work with a functional diagnostic practitioner like myself, and figure out what's really going wrong. Stop the the craziness of guesswork and really get down to the bottom of it and rebuild it all. Rebuild it, work hard. It is not easy to rebuild all of it, but it certainly is pretty simple. So I say I would love to hear from – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I said just, it's 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 worth it. It's worth it. And there's a lot of men, there's a lot of women out there that are so used to feeling bad, they don't know what it is to feel good. And that's because they uh, they're not they're going about things what I call ass backwards, <laughs> trying to feel good <laughs> by um yep. trying to feel good by using all these pills and all of these things without doing any type of testing to find out, okay, well, what am I sensitive to with food and what What's going to work best with my body? So I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying, Diane. 
Yeah, it it definitely is worth it. And and that's the number one thing that I hear from my clients, whether they be a woman or a male, is I wish I would have come to you five years ago when I first started hearing these things coming from my body because at that point the check engine light was on, but instead of actually taking it into the repair shop, they just basically took the check engine light out of their car and said, I'm straight up not going to listen to you. So after working with them for even just three months, these things are so empowering to learn and it's really interesting. So they, they say, I wish I would have come to you years ago, and I cannot believe how, how much better I feel. Yeah, yeah. So I am going to actually have you back on. We're going to do a little in-depth talk on hormones and anything else you want to talk about in the, in the next coming months here. But I encourage everybody to get on Diane's webinar uh, tomorrow. If you need information from me, most of you are that are listening to this are probably on my Facebook page. You can just... Uh, Know, ping me or poke me or whatever it is on Facebook, and I can give you the information <laughs> to that. And uh, visit Diane's website. It's dianekazer.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-K-A-Z-E-R.com. And you can get a lot of useful information on there. And you have a YouTube channel as well, Diane, right? Yep, sure do. It's just youtube.com forward slash Diane Kayser, and people can get to that through my website as well. And I also have my um, Facebook fan page that people can like, Diane Kayser, the Wellness Warrior. Okay, cool. Thanks for being on the show. Um, for the guests out there, I don't know, I don't have anybody scheduled for next week, but I was thinking about doing a show where I kind of have someone interview me and uh, just tell everyone how I came to start the show and how I got on my health journey. And uh, But, you know, I don't want to get into this whole ego thing, but I may do that. Who knows? But if I Do you need me to interview you? <laughs> I don't know. But... Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I may have someone scheduled for the show next week. But if I don't, I may do that because I have a lot of good information I want to give people out there, especially those people that are seeking um, seeking some wisdom when it comes to their comes to their health. So, again, Diane, thank you for being on the show, and I look forward to us doing our podcast tomorrow. Yeah, right. awesome. I'll be right back with you in less than 24 hours, D. Thanks for having uh-huh. me. Thank you so much for everyone for listening and Sticking around for this really juicy information, huh? Yeah, that you gave out a lot of good information. And uh, for those people out there, check us out on Wellness Warrior Radio. That's a podcast in iTunes. And you can download these these uh, podcasts and you can listen to them. I listen to them on when I'm on my way to work on the turnpike. And um, you can listen to them while you're exercising or whatever you do. If you go walking or something like that, and it's a, a bevy of good information. So, Hope you'll check that out. Again, Wellness Warrior Radio Podcast. Uh, Just type that into iTunes. Thanks, Diane, again, and good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, Darren.